Hello everyone, welcome to Wrestling for the Faith. This is one of your hosts, Gunner, Chad Lell, whichever name I choose this week. And Casey and I have decided to do something a little different this week as we are on our way to Nikita Koloff's man camp to take part in a week-long retreat where we will be off the grid. So if you don't get any tweets from us, any Facebook posts, any email returns, you know why now. But listen, this week's episode, we wanted to drop... Just a sermon that I myself got to preach to a men's group in Statesville, North Carolina, this past Monday night, April 18th. So the sermon you're about to hear is basically a live recording of me speaking to this men's group, sharing my story, sharing the knowledge of God, sharing what it means to know our Father and set our eyes upon Him every single day. So listen, I hope you enjoy this. Casey and I miss you guys and we will be back next friday live and in color ready to bring you some wrestling for the faith gospel and continue speaking about revival kingdom family and truly what's been on our heart so i hope you guys enjoy this god bless and we love you this is wrestling for the faith wrestling for the faith Anybody else got a praise report? Us, I like to hear what God's done. I ain't, I ain't trying to put you on the spot or nothing, but I always like to, when I get a chance to speak, and I'll stand up, I'll get, I like to just get to know everybody. I'm Chad, by the way. I'll just go ahead and start. <laughs> Chad, uh, James asked me to come in tonight, and I live in Mooresville, North Carolina, with my wife and five-year-old, and Stacy and Ava. I've been a professional wrestler for almost 22 years now. Yes, I'll be 40 in June. I'm from Hickory, a little small town kid grew up, our small town boy grew up in Hickory, North Carolina. I had a dream since I was five to be a pro wrestler and God fulfilled, you know, he, he helped me fulfill that dream. And it's been, I'll share some stuff about my story today, just kind of some ups and downs, but he's used the wild wrestling world for me to be able to share the gospel, which has been amazing, you know? And, uh, I got a praise report I'll share yesterday at church. And I'm an emotional person, so if I start tearing up tonight, I'm I'm not going to apologize. (laughs) That's just how the Lord works in me. I consider it a gift because years ago I I tried to hide those feelings. And and the Lord worked on me with that. And I ended up joining a little small group one time when I was going through some things in 2014 and 15. And there's a church I was going to in Winston. And real quick before I hit my praise report. I remember uh, walking into this small group for the first time. All day long, I'd battled. It was like a men's group like this, really. All day, I'd battled, uh, you know, about going. The enemy tried to keep me at home, keep me secluded in this one-bedroom apartment where I was depressed and ready to give up and ready to quit. And I walked into this room, and here I was, 34, maybe 35 at the time, maybe a little younger. I walked in there, and it was... And I... The Lord has a sense of humor. And I started looking around. I was like, everybody here is like 60 or 70. God, what can I possibly learn from these men? But what it showed me as I sat there for a good six months was I tore down these walls. God started to tear down these walls. And these 60 and 70-year-old men that were in there started to pour life into me. It started to show me that, Chad, I'd been through everything you've been through. Probably a little bit more because they've lost wives or children or whatever. They've been through drug issues that I'll touch on today. 
<laughs> they had been through addictions and all these other things. And God used these men to tear down this wall. And since then, I've been this emotional like wreck when the Spirit fills me and starts allowing me to pour out things into other people. And it's just, it, I love it. My wife goes, people think you're a baby probably. But I was like, hey man, when God truly comes into your life and you learn who He is and He starts to wreck your world and change things and expose weaknesses in you, that's, that's the beauty of the Lord, right? So, uh, praise report. Yesterday at church we had Buddy and his wife were our neighbors. <laughs> she's been seeking. She was. She's saved. She's been seeking God a little. Bit. You all right? Hey, I've been there. Like I get hit with those things. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> don't lean. <laughs> don't lean on those. <laughs> so, all right. There we go. That'll break the ice for us, right? Uh, so we, we were at church, and she saved her husband's. We I think he was raised in church, but he's never fully submitted to Christ. So he he came yesterday for the first time. We invited him, and um, their little boy and little girl, I think maybe ten, nine, twelve, nine, somewhere around there. Um, they'd been asking questions to their mom about Jesus and all this stuff. They see the things that you know I post on Facebook, and others post on Facebook. And uh, at the end of the service, they gave their life to the Lord. You know, they, yeah, it's, you clap. Man, that's, I mean, heaven's rejoicing, right? You know, we celebrate the, the risen Christ yesterday. And to see these two kids, I got to pray with the little boy. And it was just, it's beautiful. Because I have a five-year-old, and we all know how this world is right now. You know, I have a five-year-old that, you know, uh, Maybe two weeks ago, I'm sitting on the couch and in my morning, just put the TV on or whatever I'm doing. And uh, I hear her upstairs singing <clears throat> and I mute the TV and she goes to a Christian like preschool and she's up there like singing a, a praise and worship song. And this little five year old, you know, praising Jesus. It's just beautiful. Because I think all those times and I'll speak about it today where. I prayed to the Lord not to wake me up or I didn't want to be alive and all that. Now he shows me what he meant when he said, I have a purpose for you and I pour it into you. So I'll ask the question today, how many dads do we have in here? How many? Everybody's a son, obviously. Dads of sons and daughters, both? Grandfathers? Okay. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I got a long way for that. Oh, man. Well, hey, congrats on that. <laughs> so I always uh, ask, anybody got a praise report, another praise report before I get started? I'd like, I'd like to hear anything that happened to church this weekend, God's been doing in your life. Not to put you on the spot. But as I'm talking, if you feel led to say something, please speak out. I love it. I like to just interact, man, but... Today, I want to talk about what it means to finish strong. You know, I'll kind of share my story about things I've been through and what's helped me continue to seek God, finish strong. And Paul speaks about it in 2 Timothy quite often. And I'm mentored by some great men in my life, and I asked a question about six months ago, what does full consecration mean? What does it mean to finish strong? And how can I finish strong in my walk with the Lord when I'm 80 years old, if, if I get to live that long? And I sit back on my porch, rocking in a chair, hopefully, just doing nothing with myself. And I sit and go, I know what it's like to finish strong. Because my family's strong in the Lord. People know where I stand. I've helped share the gospel. 
through the Great Commission, you know, Jesus gives each and every one of us. So I started asking my mentors, what does it mean to finish strong? And he's one of my mentors, Dr. Michael Brown. Some of you may know, may not know that name, but he was mentored by Leonard Ravenhill. Anybody know that name? If you don't, please look him up. He's on YouTube. He was a, a great man of God, preached many revivals and all this other stuff. And he said, Leonard Ravenhill and men like that, D.O. Moody, these names I keep spitting out, were fully consecrated. So I started asking, what does that mean? And Dr. Brown said it means to be fully devoted to the Lord, constantly seeking after him, constantly being after him, and constantly knowing he's a good father no matter what we're going through. So I started going in. Okay, I got a lot to learn here. So Paul speaks of it in 2 Timothy 4, verse uh, 7 and 8. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearance. Paul's saying that we all have this crown of righteousness, righteousness that we're promised on that day where we close our eyes for the last time if we truly finish strong. Constantly seek after God, constantly know God, know our Father. Strive to be the best we can be. It's not about works, right? It's about our relationship with the Lord every single day. So I can tie that into what I'm going to talk about with my story and where I've, where I've come from and basically the message of the cross and the power of the cross and what Jesus did. We just finished up Easter. We all know what the message of the cross is. But for me, I remember 17 years old, Bethlehem Church of God down there in, in inside of basically Hickory, North Carolina. It's a family church built in the 50s. Dennis knows. He knows that area pretty well, too. But built in the 50s, my grandfather helped build it. He, he did some tent revivals there, pastored a little bit there until he died in the 70s. So 17-year-old boy, 17-year-old Chad sitting in the back row with his father and his grandmother. And my grandmother, who had lost her husband, had some prodigal sons, prodigal daughters running away, had been through so much in life, sickness and everything, she'd seen it all. I always remember one thing growing up as a kid before I was saved, that you'd be in a service or we'd be at her house or whatever, and my grandmother would be cooking or she'd be sitting beside me on this back pew in church. And every single time the preacher was preaching, no matter what my grandmother was going through, all she'd be whispering is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As a 17-year-old boy, I didn't realize she was planting seeds in me. Just like my mother growing up who worked three jobs to support her children until my father came back into my life. She would always make time to tuck me in bed at night. No matter what she was going through, she was never too busy to tuck her child in, say prayers with him, and let, let, let little Chad know. There was a little Chad at one time. Little Chad know that Jesus loves you. Always remember that. So my grandmother whispering that constantly through the service really planted a seed in me. And, and at 17 years old, March 23rd, year 2000, Pastor John Banks, this older gentleman would come in through our church quite often, was up there preaching. Preaching about the cross that day. I remember it vividly. Preaching about the love of Jesus, what he did for us, the pain he suffered. And something hit me that day as he made the altar call at the end of the service. He said, you have an opportunity today to change your life, change the, the path of your life completely. And I remember sitting there in that back pew, standing there as we we're all standing up. Felt like cinder blocks were around my feet. I did not want to move. The enemy wanted to keep me there. He wanted to trap me because he knew that the Lord had plans in my life. And if I stepped out, 
then the enemy's plans were broken. But I'm very thankful I took that first step and it reminded me of Peter in the Bible and all Jesus said was gave him his hand and said, step out. Peter had to have that faith to step out on that water, to walk on that water. And that's what I did. I took that first step and I remember there's like that peaceful presence of the Lord was guiding me to that altar. And I knelt down and gave my life to Jesus that day at 17 years old. Just this rush of emotion, this feeling to overwhelm me. And I remember growing up in that church, a little backstory of walking in at like, you know, 15 years old, 16 years old, and there being a different presence in that church. I'm sure we've all been exposed to that feeling of the Holy Spirit where there was this different, different presence. And I didn't know what it was, but I remember 70, 80-year-old men and women walking in, you know, on canes and stuff. By, by the end of the service, they're running around. And you're thinking, what is going on right now? But now I know. So when I experienced that different peace, when I knelt down and gave my life to Jesus that day, it completely changed me. I wish I could stand up here and say that that I, you know, continued down that right path. But the Lord, you know, the truth is I didn't. I had trials. And what happened with those trials and what caused those trials was it's, you know, 19 years old, graduated high school. You know, at that time I was stuck in this little small town hickory. It's growing up a little bit. But from this small town hickory, St. Stephen's High School, working at a little small grocery store, dreaming of being a professional wrestler. There was nothing to kind of drag me away. I was in my bubble. I was going to church with my family. There was nothing to really entice me. And then at 20 years old, there in 2001, the country was attacked on 9-11. Something changed. And all I could think about was, man, I got a family full of war heroes, my grandfather, my uncles, my dad, all these war heroes in my family. And I just felt this urge, I have to go fight for my country. Have to go fight for my country. So 2002, 9-11, 2002, I was in Paris Island. How many Marines we got in here? We have one? That's right. Thank you so much. Any service members? Anybody? Thank you guys so much for your service. But I'm standing on these yellow footprints in Paris Island getting screamed at, wondering what am I doing right now? But I knew it was a journey. I knew it was a journey. He laughs because he knows, right? But it was a journey, and it got me out of this hometown of this little bubble, Hickory, North Carolina, and exposed me to the world. Still had this dream of being a professional wrestler, but I knew I wanted to serve my four years, fight for my country. But what happened in those four years was my relationship with the Lord started to dwindle. He hadn't gone anywhere, but my relationship with the Lord started to dwindle. I didn't have that bubble, you know, going back to my hometown church or, you know, being a part of these little groups or, you know, youth groups I was a part of. I didn't have that. Well, I did have that, but I didn't seek that. I was seeking other things. The world was exposed to me and the, the enemy started to expose to me. It talks about in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 through 20, that the enemy's going to entice you with, with things of the eyes, things of the world, things of the flesh, pride of life, all these things. And that's what happened. I started to hang out with a bad crowd. I started to go to bars and strip clubs and started getting addicted to pornography, things that maybe some of you in here have dealt with or dealing with, you know? So I'm standing up here letting you know that I've dealt with this stuff, and I believe more men do that even are behind the pulpit sometimes. So we're, none of us are perfect, right? But I started to deal with these things that were dragging me down. The kid that was reading his Bible every night started to be in the bottle every night. 
started to have pride about what he was doing for the country, started to take my Bible that I would read every night and put it in my nightstand and only pull it out when, when I needed it. It was like God was a, a vending machine. I'd go to him when I needed him. 2006, I get out of the Marine Corps. 2005, I got to go over, you know, combat, all that stuff. Very lucky. Some of us, some of them weren't. 2006, get out of the Marine Corps, start to chase my dream to be a professional wrestler. Moved down to Atlanta, Georgia, still in this party lifestyle, drinking, going to clubs, all this other stuff, hanging out with the wrong crowds. But what happened with professional wrestling was, and I'm not dogging the business that I've been a part of, because there's dark sides to every single entertainment, sports, whatever you are part of. There's a dark side regardless, because the enemy knows he, he's, he can pull you away with these different things. So I started to chase this dream of being a professional wrestler, really, really go after it, because it's all I wanted since I was a five-year-old kid. It's all I dreamed of. These larger-than-life characters like Hogan and Ric Flair, Macho Man Randy Savage. I was like, man, I was intrigued by this. It's like, I got to chase this. And my dad knew it. I got out four years from the Marine Corps, served honorably. And I didn't want to go to college, but I said, I want to be a pro wrestler. And my dad said, you can do anything you set your mind to. Go after it. So what happens, I started doing these shows, doing these matches, thought my body was really hurting. Now I realize that it really hurts. It didn't hurt then. But I had a buddy come up to me one night. I I'd hurt my back or hurt something in a, in a match. He goes, you all right, man? I was like, no, man, I can't lift my arm or whatever it was. And he goes, oh, just here, take a couple of these. Oh, brother, the devil's candy, man. Take a couple of these. I didn't even ask what it was. I said, all right. I mean, he said, yeah, it help you with pain. Yeah, it helped with my pain. But it formed another addiction. The devil used it to form another addiction in my life. I'd already had alcohol problems, porn problems, pride problems, anger problems, depression problems. I mean, you name it. I was up there. I was, it was adding up. And when you add painkillers to that problem, Everything starts to intensify. I was never, I can stand up here and thankfully say I never did cocaine, heroin, any of that stuff. But painkiller is a whole new demon. And I, I started taking them not because I was in pain, but because it was, oh man, this is a new high I've never felt before. You know, I can mix this with alcohol or all this other stuff. It's a new high I've never felt before. Two became five, five became 10, you know, weekend, weekend recreational thing. To the point of like blacking out at moments, didn't even know where I was. I remember being in a jacuzzi, sitting there with some buddies. They get out, I'm by myself, I'm zoned out somewhere, and I pass out in a jacuzzi, two or three o'clock in the morning, and I wake up next morning, dry clothes on, don't know how I, all that happened. I asked everybody in the house that was around me, hey, did you help me get, get, out, get out of there? I want to thank you. Nobody knew. Lord was looking after me. But I can remember all these times that I was going through these rough spots in life and dealing with these issues. I'd wake up from a drunken high, a pill high, whatever it was, condemning myself. See, there's a difference. Jesus doesn't condemn. He'll convict you. But there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Remember that. Whatever you're dealing with today or you're dealing with a buddy who's dealing with something, let them know there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. He's going to convict us. And that's what would happen to me. I'd wake up from these nights of problems and depression and all this. And I remember that sweet whisper of the Lord saying, I got more for you, Chad. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. And that's what he was doing all those times where I'd wake up 
broken and beaten and hung over. You're saying, I got more for you. I'm standing here knocking. Just open up the door. Surrender. But I still kind of push that away. Chasing this dream into 2013, 2014. Basically, that's a blur. I'm not skipping any of my story. I'm letting you know that was a blur. Here's a boy that was chasing his dream, got out of the Marine Corps. So from like 06, 07, 08, all the way to 2014, I was just chasing this dream. Couldn't hold a girlfriend because I didn't care about their feelings, didn't care about their problems. Was running from my family. But it's all a blur because I was drinking, boozing, all this other stuff that was dragging me down. And there was moments where I was broken. I'd pull out the Bible, like my, my pastor said it a couple months ago. He goes, God's not a cosmic bartender. He's not going to mix you a cool drink and make everything perfect, right? We can't go to him like he's bubblegum machine or a vending machine. The Bible says seek him daily. That's what I was not doing. So 2014, here I am broken, going through a divorce, going through all these other problems. I mentioned a minute ago, waking up, saying, God, I don't want to be alive anymore. Just end this pain, end these problems. I didn't know what to do. I was pushing my family away. I got to the point of thinking I was better than my dad and my mom, who had worked two or three jobs to support this child of theirs. Still addicted to pills, still addicted to booze. And I had a good friend of mine, Bobby, that came to me. Knew what I was going through. Known him since 2000. He knew me since I was a boy and said, hey, man, me and the wife are going on a camping trip. I'd like to uh, invite you. You know, there's going to be no cell phone service. It's middle of August. uh, But you can get alone. And and I feel like you're seeking and searching for something. And you can get alone and kind of go about it. I hate camping, first of all. I slept on plenty of rocks in the Marine Corps. I didn't want to do that again. He said no cell phone. Didn't want to do that. So up until about the hour or two before we were supposed to go, I um, I, pu- I tried to put it off. Tried to put it off. But something was still knocking. The Lord was still whispering, nope, I got more for you. I need you to get there. So I got in my truck and I decided to go. Out in the middle of nowhere, he was right, no cell phone service. It was like a five-mile dirt road you drove on. Got there, middle of August, right beside a little lake, sleeping in a tent, sweating to death, way out of my norm, you know, way out of my norm. But I took my Bible with me. I said, okay, I'm going to take the Bible, and I'm going to use this as a moment to, to seek God. So I took a little walk about a, the next day into the trip through this trail in the woods that just kind of led up the middle of nowhere. Um, I sat down on this rock and I started talking to God. I said, I've been going through a lot, Lord. I need you to reveal yourself to me. I need some things to change. Isn't that funny how we'll we'll run from the Lord, but we'll at times talk to God like he's went away and gone somewhere. So I started talking to the Lord, and I said, I need you to to reveal yourself. Things need to change. I need some help here. I can't do this alone. I've tried the bottle. I've tried pills. I've tried porn. I've tried bars and women and all this other stuff, and nothing's filling this empty void. I've, I've searched everywhere for many different ways to fill this void, but I don't know what else to do, God. I'm at the end of my rope. For about an hour, I sat there praying and crying to the Lord, going to the Word, just felt nothing. Just felt nothing. And I got up and I started walking down that trail, almost through the Bible, almost through it right in the woods. I'll, I'll be honest right now, 
almost threw my Bible. I said, I give up. I don't believe it anymore. I'll do this on my own. And as clear as day as I'm walking down that little trail, I heard the Lord whisper me, go back to the cross. And I broke. I remember hitting my knees. It's like he reminded me that what I needed to do was be that 17-year-old kid again who went back to the cross, who knelt down at that altar and remembered what Jesus had did for him. That for all these years, I searched for this path and this way to fill these dark voids or this problem that I had or uh, happiness I thought that money was going to bring or these, these contracts or whatever. But the real way was Jesus. And I needed to remember that I had to go back to the cross to experience that love again and that joy again. And that's what I did. I realized that Jesus, like he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. John 1, it said, in him is life. And I started to read these scriptures that before hadn't come to life to me before, but it was like blinders were taken off my eyes, like Paul on the road to Damascus, right? Blinders were taken off my eyes, and I started to realize that Jesus was this, vo- or was this way that I needed to fill this void and this problem that I had. So 2000. 15, 16, those times, um, you, you know, there were still rough patches I had to mend. It wasn't like go back to the cross and everything is miraculously perfect. Everything's happy. Everything's good. No, there's still there's moments where, like I said, Jesus said in, in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll answer, I'll come in and dine with you. And what I had to do was I had to open up that door and I had to start building my foundation and my relationship with Jesus every single day. And that's something like I feel like I could speak to a lot of people about. It may be hard days, but we have to remember, and and I had a uh, pastor buddy of mine say, think about this when you wake up in the morning. And this is what I started to do there in that time where I was truly seeking after God. He said, think about this. You wake up in the morning, whatever time you get up, if you work third shift, different times, regardless. Whatever time you wake up, you have a moment where you're in your kitchen drinking coffee, doing whatever you're doing. And there's a moment where we have this, we have two choices. He said, picture Christ sitting at your table, wherever you are. It's in your office, even driving to work in your car. Picture Christ sitting there beside you, and you have two choices. We'll talk later. Or, man, I'm going to go sit at the feet of Jesus, and I'm going to let him talk to me. And I'm going to realize what I was missing for many, many years. That he's a good father. That he's my savior. So I try to do that every morning. And some mornings this morning, I got busy. I overslept. My daughter gets up. The world's running crazy. But most mornings, I'm down there in my kitchen. I grab my coffee, and I sit at my kitchen table. And I, you don't have to, we, we don't have to picture that Jesus is there because he's there. He's in the presence. We're in his presence always. So I'm having a conversation with Jesus every single day. And it's amazing that shift has changed in me from... I liken it to this. You, you, you can have a relationship or a friendship with someone and know that person. Like you and I met tonight. We know each other now. May know a little bit about him. What's your name again? I'm sorry. Tim. Tim. May know a little bit about Tim. But we don't really know each other that way. So I liken it to my relationship with Jesus. We can know, like Tim and I know each other, our relationship with the Lord. Or we can truly know Jesus. In the Greek, that word know is this deep, intimate relationship where you truly know who your Father is and who your Savior is. And it's diving into the Word. It's diving into the heart of the Father. 
And I started to think about that, how I build my relationship with my wife. If, when her and I got married, and it was, it was one day a week. I was like, hey, we'll just talk on Monday, but then the rest of the day, or rest of the week, we'll just you know, do our own thing. That's not a relationship. That's not the intimate relationship that you have with a significant, with a significant other. And that's what it means to have a relationship with the Father. That's where my life started to shift. And I'll tell you these things because maybe someone in here is dealing with that. Dealing with the things I've, I've poured out. Or, or we got to realize, too, that our, our yes, and I heard this yesterday, our yes today to the Lord, to being at His feet and listening to what Jesus wants to pour into our lives, can change generations. It can change generations. And I started to think about what that means. I went, that means it changes my daughter's life who can one day pour into someone else, whether her child, but I'm changing generations. I'm thankful that I had a mother and a father and grandparents who, who interceded and prayed for me. But there's things my dad dealt with that kind of trickled into my generation. But I've learned to break those things because of my knowing, my deep relationship with God. And I'm starting to notice it in my daughter where every night she... She has to have, I'll be on the road somewhere wrestling or doing whatever, I, you know, ministry opportunities that, that, that I'm doing. And she'll have to call daddy and say, daddy, I want you to pray with us. I don't care who I'm in the car with, whether a believer or not, non-believer. I'm going to pray with my daughter. Because that's generational curses all because I said yes to the Lord when I was 17 years old. I'm, I'm changing generations. And I believe my daughter's going to do mighty things. I believe it with all my heart. Believe it with all my heart. But to me, that's what finishing strong means. Do we wake up every day, have this opportunity to sit with Jesus? And don't be legalistic about it. There was many times where I was just doing a checklist of the Bible or a checklist with my prayer. Because there's times where we get legalistic about it. Some days you're going to get busy. The Lord understands. You can be driving and say, Father, man, I love you. Busy morning. Busy morning. But it's just spending time with God. That's where my life has started to completely change. And I sit there and think now, I'll be 40 in June. How years ago I prayed, Lord, don't wake me up. I don't, I'm a failure. I don't want to do anything anymore. I don't have any purpose here. But I look now and I realize that was a lie from the enemy. My identity was in Jesus Christ. My identity was who I was, a new creation. And I see because I'm so thankful he didn't answer his prayers because I see what I have now. An amazing wife, an amazing daughter. I'm still getting a chance. I left WWE. I failed to mention and I was with WWE for five years. Left there last November. But now there's like this opportunity for me to use professional wrestling as a ministry. And it's been super awesome to see what God's doing in my life. And I think each and every one of us in here, I don't know anybody here too personally yet. Whether father, grandfather, husband, whatever it may be, we have an opportunity to lead our household. And I love to speak to men's groups. I mean, there's different age groups in here, but it doesn't matter because we can all learn something from one another. That's why I learned from these 70 year old men. And later on, they would tell me, we really learned something from you, Chad, like you just different things, I, you know, but we have this opportunity to be the head of our house. To pour into our wives and our significant others or kids to change generations. And that's what it means to finish strong in my book. To truly know our identity in Jesus. I had to do a book report for a book I, I read for my ministry class and 
I wanted to uh, read this and, and, and another little email I got today. I'm doing a man, a man camp uh, in a week where I go away for five days and just get away with the Lord and cleanse myself, get away from the cell phone. It's going to be really hard for me because I'm used to talking to my daughter and wife every day, you know. care less about anything else on that cell phone. But, but I wrote this book report on Jeremiah Johnson's book. It's called The Altar. It's basically talking about the things that are happening in the world right now. This consecrated bride for Christ and then this harlot bride, which we see going on with so many problems in the world. The enemy's really running rampant right now. But Mark Casto was our guest speaker. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. Really good preacher. He said in our class recently, it's not about how many people or conferences we speak at. It's not about my bank account or how popular I am. John the Baptist said he must increase and I must decrease. We must be consecrated, fully consecrated. Can we live like this? Can we drop everything when the Lord says drop it? Can we submit and lay down our desires to serve God and trust Him with everything? That's the question I ask daily, and that's the question I ask each and every one of you right now to maybe ponder in your hearts. About two weeks ago, my daughter came up to me. I thought about this. The Lord taught me a lesson through that five-year-old kid, and he does that quite often. He's taught me patience. That's that's for sure. A lot of patience, guys. But she came up to me, and I'm in the kitchen, and she had her head down. She walked up, and she just kind of had her head down. I just turned around. I was like, oh, something's wrong. I was like, sweetie, what's wrong? Ava, here's her name. I said, Ava, what's wrong, baby? And she just kind of leaned her head up a little bit with her, like, her eyes looking at me. And she said, Daddy, I made a mess. I spilt something on the couch. <laughs> I had two choices here. Now, in my 20s, if I'd have been a dad, I'd have flipped out because it's a way different world for me. But I had two choices here. I can be mad or I breathe. Like I said, she's taught me patience. And in reality, it's just the couch. Who cares? Or I could learn from this lesson. And I could be that gentle father. So I knelt down and I thought of Psalm 3 where it says he is a lifter of my head. I knelt down and I took my finger and I lifted this little five-year-old's chin. I said, baby, look at daddy. She looked into my eyes. And I said, it's okay. I said, it's okay. We make messes all the time, sweetie. It happens. You and daddy will clean it up. It's okay. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment. And he said, that's your life, Chad. For many years, you held your head down in shame. You walked around in shame because you thought that your past or the things you had chosen to do were who you are. It was your identity. You thought that because you threw your Bible in the, in, the, in the nightstand or you didn't pray at night or you cursed me or you didn't believe in me at one time, that that was your identity. But God said, no, no, no. I'm the lifter of your head. I'm going to help you clean up all those messes because I love you. She taught me a lesson that day. To finish strong, we have to remember that we serve a good God. And no matter what we're going through, no matter how messy our life is in the past, messy it is right now, I still got many things I need to work on. That our Father is a loving, loving Father. There's a moment where you transition from He is our God and He always will be our God 
But then you go into that whole new atmosphere that he's your father. That he's a loving, good, gracious father who is going to help you no matter what. Look at Peter in the Bible. He continued to mess up. Paul had to call him out many times, right? I always think about that. I'm like, man, he, he, used, he used some messy individuals from the get-go. But he always helped him clean it up. And all he asks is that we pour our hearts to him. Seek him daily, and he'll reveal himself to us. So I'll read this email real quick. I'd like to close in prayer with you guys and maybe chat, talk a little bit, get to know you guys. So I'm getting these, uh, I said I'm doing a man camp with Nikita Koloff. He does a man camp two times a year. Uh, if, you've, if you ever heard of it or not heard of it, I can talk to you a little bit about it. It's, it's going to be amazing. I've, I've watched a buddy who was a heroin addict, bro, radically transformed, radically transformed because you get away for five days with these men who have been through the trenches and teach you how to finish strong. So he sends out these getting ready emails. Basically, we're, we're a week away from it, and the enemy's been attacking me a little bit, and they said that would happen because he knows what he's trying to pull you away. Nikita reminded us uh, there's a story in the Bible. I like to read this, guys. Give me a second. It's in Luke chapter 10. If anybody has their devices or Bibles want to follow along, it's not long. But he reminded us of this story in the Bible where Jesus went to visit the home of the friends Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus. While Martha busily prepared for the meal and played the part of a good hostess, her sister Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his teaching. So I'll read this. So Luke 10, verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her. Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. So Nikita said this about this verse. The Lord said that Martha was distracted by her preparation, which kept her from the most important thing, being with Jesus. Martha was busy being busy. Often in the moment, you may think you're focused on the right thing, returning that text, making the call, checking status, answering the message, attending the game, closing the deal, making that sale. Whatever your job is, you get distracted with those things. But if something keeps you from the most important thing, then it's taken over your life. He said, the warfare is real as some of us are experiencing. There is an enemy of your soul who hates you that does not want you. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But James 4, he says, draw close to me and I will draw close to you. And then he mentioned how the creator of the universe wants us to draw close to him. He wants an intimate relationship with us. I'll ask this before I close because I asked myself this this morning because I got busy. Distracted. Usually most mornings, 5, 530, I'm at my kitchen table going to the Word for a little bit of time. This morning I didn't, and I noticed until about noon. I was like, I just slowed down and went, I haven't even read my Bible today. I haven't even, even just said, thank you, Lord, for this amazing day. And I noticed there was, early in the morning, I was a little disgruntled. So I asked you guys this question today. Ask yourself this. Think about it. What's distracting you? 
What's a distraction that's taking you away from time with the Lord? Cell phone? We all know that's it. Job? Some issues going on with the job? We all have those issues. But ask yourself, what can I do to quiet my mind for five minutes even? Because if you're like me at nighttime, once it's whatever, 9 or 9.30 and Ava's in bed, my mind's shut down. I try to read the Bible and I fell asleep praying many times. But just ask that question. What is distracting me from my relationship with Jesus? How can I draw closer to the Father? And that's what finishing strong is, I think. It's not being perfect. It's being devoted to the Lord. It's realizing we're going to fail every single day. But He's got us by the hand. He's the lifter of our head. My daughter's going to fail many more times, but as a father, I'm going to fail many more times. But she knows she can go to Daddy now because He's not going to be mad and upset and scream at her. He's going to lift her little head and say, Look in my eyes, baby. Papa's got you. Finishing strong. If you take nothing else home with you today, just think about what's distracting you from being closer to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight. This, this opportunity I get a chance to share the word, share my story. God, share how good you are. Lord, what's distracting us from being closer to you? Jeremiah 29, 13, if we seek you and search for you with all our hearts, you said you will reveal, ourself, reveal yourself to us. That is a promise, Lord, that you promised to each and every one of these men in here, these fathers, husbands, grandfathers. So what's distracting us right now, God? I pray that you'll, the Holy Spirit will convict someone, convict myself, for things that's keeping us away from being close to you. If there's issues right now going on in here, whether it's drugs or pornography or anger or whatever, Lord God, I pray that you'll speak to that person. Let them know you're there to work with them. That it's a daily walk. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, God, but you're there to never forsake us. So I pray for each and every one of these men in here, Lord, that as they walk out the door tonight, that they would take one little nugget that you allowed me to speak tonight of your word, God to help transform themselves, help to say yes, help to change generations, help to show the love of Christ. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for the turnout tonight. I thank you for everyone here. And I just thank you for saving each and every one of us as we, a day past Easter, that we always remember that every day we celebrate the risen Christ and what he did for us on the cross. How much pain you suffered for us. And all that you carry on your back for us, God. May we be good servants. May we fulfill the great commission every single day that we can share the Lord. And I just pray that on each and every one of these men today, God. And we thank you so much. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to Wrestling for the Faith. Don't forget to follow Casey Cage on Twitter at RealCaseyCage. Follow Chad Lale on Twitter at CWLale underscore Gunner. And follow the show at Facebook.com slash Wrestling for the Faith.